Welcome to the flip side. Galen Clavio here, Brian Moritz with you as well as we're a little off of our normal airtime. Brian, I apologize. I, I just had to watch USA Costa Rica last night, and you were nice enough to allow us to move to another night. So I, uh, I feel like our orbit of, of podcast airtimes is like the trajectory of Neptune. Like eventually, <laughs> like we're going to end up as the seventh planet instead of the eighth. Right, right. As long as nobody Plutos us, we'll be good. Right. But yeah, we 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 did have have a podcast delayed due to soccer. But you know, Team USA big win, a, a nice win last night. It was very nice, very nice win. Um, you are watching Brazil um do unholy things to Costa Rica right now as we Haiti. record this. To Haiti, Haiti, Haiti. Yeah. okay. Um, because Haiti, you know, because nothing bad ever happens to Haiti. You know? No, they, no, they, they've they, had they, they've had a good run. So. <laughs> God, yeah. So, uh, so no, good, good to see you. Uh, yeah. How? Uh, well, first of all, what's your what's your beer of choice for oh. the night? Yes, we're we'll going on this right now. I have the uh, Highland Locker from Rohrbach Brewing Company, which is the uh, one of the flagship uh, local breweries here in the Rochester, New York area. Um, probably they they kind of predate the whole craft beer thing. They're like one of the the uh, the longtime local breweries and. It's a good crisp summer lager, a nice, nice kind of caramel flavor to it. So nice. good overall flavor. I just saw you opened a can. So what do you got tonight? I actually am uh, speaking of uh, things that predate craft brewing. I am having a Kostritzer Schwartz beer. Oh my! Uh, you ever had this before? Oh, that's a no. It's nope. a black lager, uh, which uh, is delightful. And, and it's funny when uh, when my wife and I first started dating. She took me to a German restaurant in Lincoln Square in Chicago. And so we go to this German restaurant and we sit down and she she makes me order, you know, a beer and I'm you know, I'm looking at the beer and I was like, They're all German beers, like I'm not sure what to get. And she's like, Get this Kostritzer and I'm like, Okay, blindly ordered it. And it comes out and it's like it's black, you know, and right. I'm like and I'm like, you know, I don't I really don't drink dark beer. Like I'm not going to have this. And she's like, just just try it. And you drink it and it's it's like a slightly coffee tinted lager. Like it's not it's not harsh at all. It's not right. it's not like a Guinness. Yeah, although I think Guinness is actually very easy to drink now. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how you know, our perception of dark beers as somehow being like not easy to drink and uninviting and things like that. The the more dark beers I have, the more I'm like, this is really an unfounded uh, concern that a lot of people have. Uh, you know, it's like even my mother-in-law, like she's like, I don't drink dark beer. And I had her drink an amber ale, which isn't, you know, granted, not tremendously dark. And right. she just loves that beer now. She thinks it's, 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 she thinks it's just awesome tasting. Yeah, it's funny because you, you, you do think you, it has that, you know, probably just visual look of, well, this is dark, it's going to be harsh. But, you know, I think of even something like a milk stout from uh, the, the natural milk stout, and that's the smoothest beer you'll ever drink. And it is weird that that, like, level of, that, like, almost cognitive dissonance when you see a dark beer, you expect it to be something right. very unpalatable. And more often than not, they're, they're more, I, the more darker the beer, the more palatable a lot of times they are than like a dark brown lager or dark brown beer or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, the. it's funny because I'm not a fan of brown ale. There's something about the way that it's formulated that just has never sat on my palate properly. Can something sit on your palate? Is that is that hmm. – your palate isn't like a flat surface generally. No, it's not a sofa or something like that. So I don't know. You know, it seems – I don't – 
Sit, no, I don't, because because sitting denotes resting, and nothing really rests on your right. palate. Right. It, it hits your palate, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily stay there. So it hits in it and it goes away. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, but like yeah, the, 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 like Scotch ale and brown ale is like the only category of beer other than wheat beer that I just don't like to drink but ah. like i can drink scotch ale and brown ale i choose not to i can't really drink wheat beer because i just it gives me a stuffy nose every time it's it's awful <laughs> well and it's ironic because Rohrbox, the maker of my beer that i'm drinking tonight their flagship is a scotch ale yeah. and they've been making that for god going on 30 years now um so um so yeah um exciting times we took my uh we took my daughter to a comic book convention this past weekend in niagara falls ontario a comic book convention yeah we went to uh, niagara falls comic-con and um it, it was it was a lot of fun we've been to we've been to the smaller comic cons that we have here in rochester i've taken her a few times and uh but this was the first now niagara falls comic-con was relatively small it's not like a a San, it's certainly not like a San Diego or a New York. It's kind of, it's a very regional Comic Con, right? And um, and so we and, and my daughter very much into a lot of the same superhero nerd stuff that my wife and I are into. She's into Star Wars. She's into like knows enough knows enough about comic books for a five and a half year old girl to impress people. Um, and uh, she dressed up. We dressed her up. We dressed her. I say she dressed up. We dressed her up as uh, as Ray from the new Star Wars movie. Right. We actually, my wife, God bless her, she made her costume. We didn't buy the the, the cheap Target version. Like we went went to the fabric store and made it. Wow. And um, did her hair up like uh like Ray uh in the movie and like actually took a pool noodle and carved this Ray I don't know if you've seen the movie. Ray has a staff that she uses. I, I have seen the movie, yes. Okay, so she so we have Ray's Ray's staff that we carved out of we again we my wife carved out of a <laughs> pool noodle and wrapped in black tape. Right. And the the kind of the, the kind of kicker on it, the one thing that won everyone over is she looks awesome in this. Right. But we we got a one of the little remote control BB eights. And the original idea that we had was where I was going to have the remote control in my hand and BB-8 was going to go alongside her. But we couldn't get it to work. We didn't get the the, the fancy BB-8. We got kind of like the knockoff version and it really wasn't working well. And you realize that in a crowded convention hall, that wasn't going to work. So we got like little netting at Michael's, like mesh netting, Mm -hmm. and put BB-8 in the netting and put it around her shoulder this we, we couldn't go ten feet without somebody stopping El, stopping Ellie, my daughter, wanting to take a picture of her, complimenting her, and it was BB-8 that won her over. Like, <laughs> oh, she's so cute! Oh my god, she's got BB-8! Oh my god, it was it was a blast. It really was a lot of fun. Um, I was about ten feet from Henry Winkler, uh, which really? was cool. Yeah, he was one of the they because at. at I don't know if you've ever been to a Comic Con or any of these conventions, um, but they have. They always bring in celebrity guests for photos and autographs and panels and such. And a lot of times, these the the, the you know, the, you, know the, you you pay for autographs and for, and for photos. And it, it, the variant the price varies by the level of celebrity and the level of their name. I think Henry Winkler was like fifty bucks for an autograph, fifty bucks for a photo, something like that. Which is a lot, but not as fifty dollars Canadian, I should say. Right. So about thirty five American. So not horrible out of the you know, 
not not completely out of the realm of possibility. We weren't going to do that. Um, um, but we uh, I was wa- we were walking around at the tables, and they're just out in the open, like in the back of the convention hall. So sure. it's not like a thing. You can walk by and, and see them. And he was standing up. We walked by the hall. And it was funny. The, the table next to Henry Winkler was this lovely, lovely old man who was uh, a voice actor. I forget his name, but he did one of the characters. Mark Hamill. No. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mark Hamill sitting there with no line. That's a great image. <laughs> Um, no, it was some, some wonderful old guy. And he was like a voice of a caribou and he had a puppet behind him. And my yeah. daughter, Ellie, wanted to go up and ask him a question. And it's always a little awkward in that situation because, you know, they're there, they're getting paid, you know, you pay to do it. But there was nobody on his line and she went up and asked him, the, I forget the, the question, and he was super sweet. And it, like Henry Winkler was like 10 feet over from me and I'm like, hey, that's Fonzie. That's really cool. Right. You know, not $50 for an autograph, but hey, that's pretty cool. Um, but I was just w- walking around that, you know, the cosplay at that was fantastic. You had a lot, you know, people in co- people in a lot of Star Wars costumes, a lot of Doctor Who, um, the emotions from inside out. There was a group that was the emotions from inside out and, and, and walking around, it was just really, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Everyone was incredibly nice. It was Canada. So of course everyone's really nice, but right. you know, it was very, very respectful, very, you know, very much the good side of fandom. I know last week we talked kind of about kind of like a lot of the dark side and the bad side of fandom, especially in that space. But one of the things I always think about when I'm at something like that or around that, that is, and again, I mentioned this last week, that weird kind of dichotomy we have in how we look at and talk about fandom. Like people who cosplay for Comic-Con, like, wow, they're, they're, they're weird. They're nerds. They're crazy. Yet we look at people, and you and I both own football jerseys with other men's names on the back that we'll wear to a game or something else, and that's much more socially acceptable and, and okay. And mm, okay. all right, you're, you're going to disagree with me on this, okay? And I, I, it, it's just more, more the. I have no problem with, with. I have a Brian Mormon jersey. I have a Thurman Thomas jersey. I have no problem wearing these in the appropriate appropriate venues, and that's fine. But it's more the the sports fan looking down on wow look at these nerds when we're we're basically doing the same thing only different costumes i don't know if it's the same thing i i think i think there's a difference between um wearing a jersey of a favored team uh, or or of a favored player because you're you're that's it's more something that you're doing in uh kind of a solidarity with the team or the player, uh, or at the very least something where you're demonstrating, uh, a kind of a, a fandom that is different, I think, from the sort of cosplay that you're talking about. Like, I, I don't feel like people really get in to being a football player just because they're wearing a Jersey, the same way that people get in to wearing a star Wars outfit, uh, I feel like. What do you mean a, get? What do you mean get in? Um, I mean from an from an emotional perspective, it seems like when when I at oh. least for me when I when I and on a granted I don't go to these these uh, these conferences uh, and I don't have anything against them. I just I just haven't really ever had any reason to go. But um, it does seem like there's at least a certain segment of the population that really um, like acts out to some degree what they're. Like the 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 character sure. and the method of, and I don't see that with sports jerseys. Like I don't really see people acting out 
uh, in in the same sort of way, being an athlete or being a particular athlete, like it, you could have, a, you know, like fat guys who wear Odell Beckham jerseys. I don't think they're like trying to act out being a, an, an elite fast receiver or anything like that. I, I, I guess, yeah, there's a little bit more of a uh, performative is the right word. I guess, yeah, there's a more performative aspect to cosplay than to jersey wearing. And there's a bit more of a, um, you know, a lot of times it probably is acting. Like, you get to act. You're not on a stage. You're not in a production. But you get to act as a character. You get to kind of inhibit that 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 character. And, 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 and unquestionably, still still very dorky like unlike without like i mean i'm not saying that that, that it's not but i i do feel it, it's interesting to me because as the social media era has normalized a lot of the fan group behaviors that existed before i mean you know i the one convention i ever went to was a star trek convention and this was in indianapolis and my 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 dad and mom took my sister and I to this and it was kind of eye opening. Like the, um, there, there were some people that were really, um, a little weird in just in general. I think they were just kind of off people, but then there were people that were just acting very into, uh, what they were wearing and they were very into the environment in a way that seemed kind of disassociated from reality um, and maybe that was just something that happened within that particular convention. I mean, um, Trekkies are notoriously known for escaping out of reality and into that particular reality. Um, right. But um, it just it feels almost as if as as social media and the interactive elements surrounding it have normalized Star Wars fandom, for instance. Like, Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, and they've you know they normalized all these different things. I look at it and I say to myself, um, I feel like a lot of people are trying to draw like direct equivalencies between sports fandom and fandom surrounding uh, movies or or com- or like comic books or things of that nature. And I don't know if it's necessarily the same sort of thing. I feel like it's. I can see that. And I, and, I, and I'm having a hard time putting my finger on why it feels different, but I just I know that it feels different. Um, in as much as it doesn't seem to have the the same sort of ritual tendencies that sports fandom has exhibited over the course of time, and that may just be because it hasn't been studied as close as sports fandom has, but that's that's kind of where I, I come from on that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I've been I've been t- trying to write a piece for Sports Media Guy about fandom based kind of on experiences this weekend. Experience, you know, the, these ideas that we're talking about. And I've been struggling with with putting the words together, and I and and I do agree with you. I do feel that you know, just because we call them fandom doesn't mean that they're necessarily the same thing. They could be, you know, sports fandom and, and let's call it comic fandom just for shorthand. It could be very much, you know, they could be kind of like cousins where there, there there are similarities but there are still very much differences between, be, between being, you know, you know, a Star Wars cosplayer and a diehard Colts fan or something like that. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I, it, it's interesting to think about, you know, you know how much of it is um, you know, I still think social acceptance kind of has has a big part to do with it. You know, there is, uh, you know, it's still, it's much more, you know, Star Wars is cool now. 
There's no, you know, know, it's hard to remember a time, and even we lived through this, it's hard to remember a time when you were kind of a dork if you liked Star Wars. Like, Star Wars is, like, totally the cool thing now. Like, all the kids in my daughter's class, my daughter included, love Star Wars. Like, that's just a thing that you like. Um, And, you know, but, you know, there's still a lot of that kind of, you know, historical root of, you know, comic book and, and Star Wars and Star Trek conventions are the dorky things that people escape from reality and where sports fandom is again, this normalized ritual we have of it's, you know, it's perfectly uh, okay. And again, I agree with you. There are very differences between identifying with a sports franchise, rooting for a sports team and identifying with uh, a, um, a movie franchise or a comic book franchise or something on that. But it's just interesting to like, you know, be rel- again, relatively new to like the comic con, comic-con space and, and and to walk around and to see um see the cosplayers to see the the people involved and you know honestly it's just been it's just you know again i i i do feel like there are people who probably take it you know to extremes you know i from what little i know about kind of like the cosplay world i know there are like cosplay celebrities who are like really really into it and to like getting details right and mannerisms right almost like a method acting thing where they like become you're you're the character you're not like my daughter who was dressed up as ray but she was my daughter just in a costume like you kind of try to inhibit that you know really become that character um and but honestly for the most part you know and again my limited experience it was just fun to see like it was a fun day it was a fun experience there were two dudes dressed as anna and elsa and they were awesome they were fun they were getting they were getting their pictures taken and all that and it didn't strike me as like you know here you know uh a bro thing it didn't strike me as like an lgbt pride thing it just struck me as like hey two dudes dressed in anna and elsa that's cool they look look like they're having fun and they were getting their picture taken and all that and it was fun so it's just it's really cool especially having been around sports fandom personally and professionally for my whole life to kind of see this other realm of uh of fandom and you know yes let's acknowledge there's a lot of negative of uh, negative behavior in all fandom whether it's the more the, the the stuff that leads to more than mean on the sports side whether it's the gamergate stuff on kind of the the nerd side uh, uh, of ledger but it is kind of fun to see that to see that 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 shape out and i got canadian poutine like actual well, genuine poutine this weekend so I mean, that was a win you can't yeah not, nothing wrong with any of that jeez no. well um so, it's you know i don't know it's it is interesting and I, I i large parts of me are like i don't really care about the differences i really don't like i just let everybody do what they want to do and and i think right. that you know that's the but I do, but I do think that sometimes we try. It's kind of like music, where we try to jam things into genres that don't necessarily belong. And I think we do that sometimes with, oh, here's a group of people that congregate around a certain thing. These are fans. We should, you know, right. associate them with fandom like we do with this stuff. So I don't know. It's it's right. uh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, and and, and one one last thing on this, and we, you have a good topic, and I had a general topic too. We could talk about, but um, you know what what struck me is in almost any any of the two comic cons I've been to, and you know any of my my low level entrance into the world of actual comic books beyond just going to the movies, I have not yet met a comic book guy from The Simpsons. 
And I feel like that's a stereotype that's still around that community where like, you know, you're half expecting someone to come up to my five-year-old daughter wearing this Ray costume and be like, um, she holds BB-8 over her right shoulder, not her left shoulder. You're doing it wrong. And it was nothing like that. It was just, it, it was a whole lot of fun. It was very open and accepting and well, cool. And I would um, argue that like comic book guy or like th- those sorts of stereotypes, baseball card guy or, yes. you know, those people, I feel like. I mean, those people were creepy, but they were creepy because they were isolated and and they felt like their their adherence to this thing was almost like a real. It's like they were. It was like a. Mona, it was like a monastic impulse. Dogma- dogmatic was the word I was gonna gonna use there. Like very much, yeah. I would say I think monastics better because it's like they, here they have they've devoted their life to this thing that not many people pay attention to, and right. they had very little external. Uh, confirmation. Well, now with social media, a lot of those people, I think, do have external confirmation because, you know, you, there was a time probably that you you could have been like a big comic book guy living in a city without many other comic book people. And you're just like, I'm I'm all alone. And yep. and now you really don't have to feel that way at all. That's true. That's very true. So so you had emailed a really interesting, fun topic to talk about, I think. Yeah. So, so let's, let's hit that one first. I was curious. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, what? what if you look at sports, and sports have different ways of breaking up the game. Like, there's First of all, it's interesting. There's the only sports that don't have a method of – I'm talking about timed sports here. So, like, right. not baseball, not golf – but you know, there's no sport that has uh, a completely unbroken up presentation of the amount of time that the game takes. Um, right. So you know, in in soccer, for instance, you have two halves. In in football, you have four quarters. In basketball, you've either got two halves or four quarters. Hockey's mm-hmm. got three periods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, boxing's got rounds. The you know, they, they, you know three three minute rounds, twelve rounds, fifteen rounds, whatever it happens to be. Um, so it got me thinking: like, what is the what is the apex game breakup methodology? Uh, All you right. know, what's what's the what do you what is the most effective and enjoyable? way to break up a game and what sport has it the most right all right so we're not counting baseball and innings is off the table because it's untimed right correct okay so and 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 it is really interesting i was thinking about this since you emailed this idea yesterday And, and and it's funny when you think about how every sport is so different in this because like it's really the only kind of realm which in which the structures are so very different like you think about like culture, like a movie's a movie. Like it might be long, it might be short, but you know, like it's a movie. That's not going to stop for thirty minutes in the middle and then it picks back up again. Right. You know, a musical theater had. You know, you don't have an intermission at a movie like you do at a musical theater, and the, like that's all set. So it, it, it's a really good topic. I got to tell you, but and I think when you're looking at game structure, one thing that I I I I, I, I was thinking about with this is. You have to, I, I feel like the best kind of game structure is the one that minimizes or reduces like the mid-game doldrum, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you, got, you got the start and everyone, you know, big game or not, start of the game, you kind of got that, that pumped up energy, you're starting to go, you're getting going. Um, and then you, you, you want to get to the end of game drama. So like how much, you know, whether it's a close game or the game's ending. And you want that middle of the game kind of lull to be as minimized as possible. I have to tell you, and I was, I was really kind of surprised by how much I liked this setup 
Um, and I didn't watch a ton of it this past year, but the new women's basketball setup of the four 10-minute quarters. Okay. I really, really enjoyed that. I felt like that that kind of – and the other thing you want is to kind of keep the game moving at an acceptable pace. You right. want to kind of keep that, that momentum going. I felt like the four 10-minute quarters in women's basketball really did kind of keep that – kept that moving you know you kind of had the artificial break so you had the you know that that little bit of tension that comes toward the end of a quarter that 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 and that end strategy and and um which is weird because i usually think like a four quarter strategy in a way that that maximizes the mid-game doldrums because you have the second or second and third quarters which kind of you know you have halftime in there but there tends to be that lull um i guess i think you know thinking it thinking it over like this i think I, I tend to like the college basketball, the two twenty-minute halves. Okay. Um, because again, you you don't have a lot of mid-game lull because you have the first ten. You, you got the opening ten, five or five or ten minutes or so. Like okay, you still got a little adrenaline. You still got a little momentum from the game beginning. And then you got a little bit slow, but then you build to halftime. And like okay, what's going to happen at halftime? Come out of the second half, and again, it's like a restart of the game, and then you get right into it. So I feel like. I, I really like, and, and it's a simple. It's two twenty minutes. Um, I, I, I guess I kind of like that simplicity. Hockey, I tend, to, I, I tend to think is maybe the the least effective, just because you got that lull of the second period, hmm. and that 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 just, um, yeah, that, that that's just like the ultimate doldrum, of yeah. a, like a mid season hockey game where it's like you know. Buffalo and Toronto, and they're like putting this and the, the two last place teams in the East Division playing in March, and like the second period of that game's got to be just torture. So, um, you know, we don't. Those are my initial thoughts on it. We don't screen our answers before we do these podcasts, folks. Right. Uh, so it's it's always delightful when we have natural disagreement, and we have that here. I actually, Excellent. I actually think the hockey three period structure is the most effective from a dramatic perspective because okay. uh, if you think about it the three-act structure uh, is a model that's been used in screenwriting sure. in, in in opera in in you know plays and musicals it's 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 a standard even in movies i mean movies tend to operate in three parts and mm-hmm. it's because of that idea of you know of, of setup conflict and resolution and you know i think the it, to me, it's and I've been. I was thinking that what it's I, 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 honestly what made me think about this was watching NHL playoff games this year, and it's like you know this is just a really really you you know you talk about the doldrums of the second period. I would almost argue that football and basketball uh, tend to have multiple periods of doldrums. Like for me in in college basketball. The period of time from about the 16-minute mark of the first half till about the four-minute mark of the first half is just completely wasted. Like, because because okay. you nothing it it never seems like what's happening in that time period is really going to ultimately determine what happens at the end of the game. And you okay. could even argue that to some degree about like the 16-minute to 10-minute mark of the second half. Um, okay. In the quarter structure in the you know in the NBA. Um, the once the rotation guys start to come in, you know, at about the three minute mark of the first quarter or whatever it is, like that again, it feels like wasted time, and it very closely right. corresponds to the same generalized period of time that you find in college basketball in the half structure, and even in even in in college and pro football, it doesn't really feel like a game gets going fully until you get about two thirds of the way through the second half. 
and, right. and you can start to see the end. So it's like, you know, to some degree, even though the amount of time being played is more or less the same, mm-hmm. um, to me it feels like having three distinct parts that, that separate from each other allows – it, it never allows you to – necessarily feel like you're wasting your time in any one moment. Now you're doldrums in the second period perhaps, but at least at least even with that there's like a recognizable end point. And and I feel like with within some of the other sport structures with the with the ones divisible by 2, I don't know that you get quite the same sort of of obvious resolution coming at you. And I I mean you know, I, I'll point out that you made this this judgment watching playoff hockey, which is the, the, the as we as we have said before, I think either our favorite or second favorite kind of sport. So you're always going to have the levels going to be raised there. Hockey is such an interesting sport to think about with this, especially consider when you consider with other sports, just because of the nature of play, the nature of the game. Uh, it's so much more fluid. It's so much more kind of more constant action. You know, then then something like ba- like basketball. You know, I, I heard something interesting. I think I was on my been on Hot Takedown, five thirty eight sports mm-hmm. podcast, and it was just a like a like a throwaway comment that their hockey guy was was making. But I never thought of it until until he, he actually said it. And, and you think about it in, in basketball, you're going to get a guy playing like a Steph Curry, a LeBron James. They're going to play what forty minutes, forty two minutes. You know, maybe in the thirties on a regular game. But you know, you're going to they're going to play a significant portion of the game, and so they're not going to be out there. A, a, a star hockey player is playing what sixteen minutes a game, twelve between twelve and sixteen minutes a game. It's a bit game. more than that. And I mean, you know, if you're if you're de- it, okay, if you're talking about a, a, a front line defenseman. Um, you know, one of those guys are playing twenty five minutes, twenty six okay. minutes a game, especially come playoff time. Okay, but still, significantly, uh, they're significantly more, more, more fluid in their lineup changes. Where Le- you know, LeBron's going to be on the court most of the time tonight, whereas tomorrow night, Sid Crosby is going to be, you know, he's on and off the ice in a much more fluid way. So it's just, it, it, it can be hard, I think, to compare hockey just because of the nature of the sport and the nature of the, uh, of the way the game, the, the, the kind of structure of the game itself and the way, the way it's played can be a lot more, you know, is a lot different than, than, um, than something like basketball or something like football. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I, I just always find, found the second period to be not, you know, like, like the, um, like you said, I like the, 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 the notion of the three acts, but it's kind of like the, the second act when you know, okay, we, we, we just got to get to, we got to get to the, to the final fight scene here. Kind of use a comic book movie analogy here. Right. Like, okay, we know we got the enormous fight coming in down in midtown Manhattan coming up. In 20 minutes let's let's get to the, the second period's like the MacGuffin of, of sports like let's okay we we're, we're chasing it we're doing it but we're just trying to get to the we're just trying to get to the big fight scene with iron man and the, and the big bad right. at the end at, at the end of the movie um so i mean do do you have a worse like what's your worst I, like when i say hockey's the worst i don't mean that hockey the structure is terrible i understand, I understand. And, and, and 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 i do kind of feel like I don't know. Football is so kind of like again to use the word uh, my word of the podcast normalized or whatever. But um, but that structure. But yeah, I mean, football is just so. I don't know. I don't know. if Football might be the might might be the worst just because it feels so ponderous. I don't know. You know, I I I'm I'm trying to figure out like like, like the weird structure uh, the 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 structure of football and like 
I don't know. We're I don't know why, why I'm struggling to. You're to struggling with something. this. I'm, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I think I don't know. There, to some degree, the is there is there a worst per se? I, look, I think I think some of it at that point then comes down to how does a particular sport seem to play out during? I mean, I think it's kind of unfair that you're like you know okay. Look at you know you're, you're talking about playoff hockey versus like you know a regular doldrums uh, you know hockey game. I mean honestly, if that's what we're going off of, there's a lot of regular season college ba- women's basketball games that are completely unwatchable. That's uh, fair, and, right? And, and and I would argue, stretch, but that has that, that stretching has them good. into stretching them into four quarters actually makes it even worse because it's like God, we've watched three quarters of this already. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, the, the games I watched, they felt like you know they 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 they. Felt felt like the the shorter the shorter halves made it feel like again it's so weird it's so much perception because it takes about the same amount of time like real time like it's no you know it's about a two hour game mm-hmm. like it normally is but it, it it just it feels like it, it, I don't know if it, it the structure the the, the shorter quarters kind of give it a feel, little bit more of a feel of momentum whereas like a, a two halves of a bad women's basketball game like you want. You want doldrums. The the 12-minute timeout of a second half of a bad women's basketball game in, like, January, that's that's just – that's painful. But I don't know. I I I feel like the the shorter time helps. It kind of, like – it gives that – it's probably a false impression of momentum, but it's like – it's the third quarter, but all right, there's only four minutes left in the third quarter, whereas that would be 13 minutes left under the half structure, and that feels awful. Why do you think we stop at four? Uh, you know, at four I mean, at, yeah, at four, at four separations, it's, which is technically three separations, at four, four <laughs> periods of play making up a game. And no, baseball fans, baseball doesn't count because baseball, it's there's no clock involved. Like right. there has to be a clock involved for this whole thing to matter. But why, right. why do we stop at four? Why didn't somebody invent a game where you had five periods of play? That's really interesting. I wonder if, like, the quarter, you know, just this, the idea of a quarter kind of, you know, kind of kind of took hold as opposed to a fifth. Um, uh, I, I, maybe, you know, because it, 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 I don't know. I mean, it just, it, it, you know. And that's very, it, it's one of those things in sports that, like, we kind of take it as natural and take as red, but, like, wow, that's kind of, and when you sit back and think about it, like, wow, that was an arbitrary decision that, right. that we've latched on to. Especially when baseball, if we are going to bring it into the conversation, has nine. Right. You know, it's Although like baseball, to, to, to jump from uh, four to nine and right. not have any of the ones in, in between seems a little bit arbitrary. Right. I mean, I do feel with baseball, the way I looked at it, especially covering it for so long, was, you know, almost like as three periods. They had the first three innings, the middle three innings, the last three innings, kind of like as a way to kind of subdivide the game a, a, a little bit. Um, and again, it's totally arbitrary to do it like that. But um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about the history of, of a lot of these sports to know, like, did the time of game come first and then they divided it into quarters or did they like, what, what were, was it like a separate decision along the way? And let's face it, the NBA one is the most random. I know why it's 48 minutes, but that's just funny when you think about a game being 48 minutes because the other ones are all 60. And so all of a sudden we're going to go 48. And then they do that by like, no, I don't know why they did 48. I know that's how they got the shot clock. Was right. by like the forty-eight minutes divided by whatever, whatever equals twenty-four. But like, 
out of the NBA, you know, do you know? I mean, you're more of a basketball. I actually don't know. I don't. Okay. I don't know why they came to 48, and I don't know why basketball, college basketball, settled on 40. Nor do I That's know true. why, like high school basketball here in Indiana, it's 32 minutes. It's 32. Four. Yeah, the eight minute. Yeah, eight, four, four eight-minute quarters. Um, you know, why – maybe that's the answer. Maybe they're like, okay, well, if this is 32 minutes and then that's 40 minutes and the next step up should be eight additional minutes. So, like, right. you know, but but why why would you go with things – with times that are divisible by eight in the first place? Yeah, it's random. Um, I, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of questions I have that I could so, probably look up and find yeah. out. But, it's, so yeah. What about the soccer structure? Of the two forty-five minute halves, and I mean, obviously, running time is, is a big part of that. So, right, um, you know, how does that how, where does that fit into our conversation? I'll say this: um, I think soccer is such a completely different game in terms of like the way that the flow of it goes. So, Jurgen Klinsmann had an interesting quote. Um, and I, I don't know if it was recently or not, but he had this interesting quote where he talks about you know, in in soccer, it's not a game where as a coach, you have a lot of on like in-game effect on things. It's basically you, you send the players out and they play and they make plays and and you know and you know as a coach you can maybe make a couple of substitutions. You can maybe say, "Hey, go do this," but most of it is basically just you know guys on a big field making decisions for you know uh, within the confines of what they already know how to do. So it is interesting to me that. Uh, you know that particular structure it wouldn't work in any other sport like one of the one of the hallmarks of of most american sports is how much we feel we have to micromanage the minutes and the plays and things like that that happen i mean think about football like football 60 oh, minutes long but you know there was that study from a few years ago where it's like okay it's 60 minutes of game clock and it's like what like like 12 minutes of actual athletic competition it's not even that i think it was okay. like i think it was like four or five minutes really it, well because you think about it so you got a 40 second play clock and so mm-hmm. 40 second play clock generally the play gets called in the play gets called by the quarterback uh, or the defensive or the say or the safety or whatever and then the formation actually sets up and then they normally don't snap the 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 ball until about the 10 second mark. So there's 30 seconds gone out of every 40 where you don't have anything going on. So you're dealing with at most like 25% of 60 minutes and not all of that is used. Like sometimes, you know, you've got the clock run all the way down and then timeout or penalties or what have you. So, you know, but, but, but it's all, it's, it's, it's like the world's biggest like corporate meeting where it's like, you know, it's just this constant, like, feedback and like structure and this and that and even basketball while basketball has some flow there's so many stoppages of play uh Mm -hmm. you know for for fouls or for violations that are called and we try to like in soccer that you know they just don't look at it like that's something that you need to stop the clock for people get annoyed by the 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 stoppage time i love stoppage time i think it's the best i think it's great i mean i i don't i've never understood why people have gotten so upset about it you know but, but a lot of people it's like well you know if the clock reads zero then the, then things should be over and it's like why like yeah. i mean what what's if if there needed to be additional time added and frankly you know if there's still a chance at a team scoring like why is that necessarily a bad right. thing um right 
So, look, I mean, I think it's very sport-dependent. I think with soccer, I personally like it, but that's not to say that there aren't periods of doldrums in soccer games. Right. Um, but it, But it's interesting because you really have to watch the soccer game all the way through, and even though it takes... The, in pretty much with with all of these sports combined, it's like the one that takes the least amount of time to watch from beginning to end. Right. It, it, it's almost like it's the most amount of time you have to spend actually watching the action because it's ninety minutes and something could literally happen in every one of those ninety minutes. Right. No, that's it, 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 that that that's really interesting, and I love you know one of the things that's fascinating to see is as soccer really begins to grow in widespread popularity and acceptance US wide US wide and what looking at um you know not just you know, Amer- you know soccer you know, MLS or American soccer teams but like people watching the EPL people watching you know the for- the, the, the the European the Euro Cup um forgive me if I'm watching any of the these Champions things. League yes Champions League thank you um and, and people are wa- 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 watching it and just seeing the, the really vast difference in the in, in the culture between soccer and kind of like our traditional American sports, where you don't have the micromanaging of plays, where you don't have, um, you know, soccer is su- soccer culture is just so you know, and I I know soccer culture is you know it's kind of wrong probably to say that monolithically because you know the, you know German soccer is going to be very different than English soccer than Brazilian yeah. soccer and so on and so on. I mean, I. I I don't. I don't. I, don't, I mean, saying, I, would, I, I wouldn't say it's very. I'm saying different. that as I'm saying that I don't want to be the guy generalizing like soccer, soccer. You know, when I don't really watch much soccer, I, I don't want to be that guy. But um, you're but in, it, you're, in, it you're, you're in a you're in a you're in a judgment free zone here. Okay, excellent, excellent. But it does. I, I I do love seeing the differences between kind of like you know, and it's always funny when you see you know mainstream American sporting culture run into kind of soccer culture, and obviously you see this when you see like. You know, like like our traditional media members try to understand what's going on on in soccer, and and you know they can't. You know, right. not just because they don't. You know, some of it's because they don't pay attention. A lot of it, they don't pay attention to a lot of it. But it is. It's such a different sporting culture all the way around. Very different from, especially like that NFL or even kind of you know the NBA and Major League Baseball idea of you know trying to manage everything, trying to you know. Almost manufacture runs, manufacture goals, and manufacture things, as opposed to, you know, a a, a more almost laissez-faire approach to it in a in, in a weird way. Yeah, no, I mean, there's something to that, without question. And, and look, it's there's there's room for everything. I think if mm-hmm. you're if you're willing to let it, I. Um, from the clock perspective, I just think it's interesting that even overseas, you just don't see that many variations in the way that that events are run. Right, um, and that's you know, I mean, it's just it's just an interesting thing. Yeah. So, all right. So, t- for our final topic today, we didn't get any. Uh, nobody needs our help today. Um, as I feel, always, I feel you can, better uh, about humanity now. I re- I really do. I feel like we're having the, this effect. Um, probably about 19 episodes in. It's you know we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. But as always, if you have a topic you want us to discuss, hit us up on your social media platform of choice. Not Snapchat because I'm not on there, but any of your uh, social media platforms. Hashtag the flip uh, flipside pod. We will talk about it for at least one minute. Um, this was my idea last week, and you know we can talk about it a little bit. This is going to be a multi episode arc if we wanted it to be. But my general topic was concerts. Okay. Um, and I had two two kind of topics 
related to concerts, along with you know the best concert we've seen, best concert concert experiences, and all that. And it's funny that we're do- talking about it today because it was it'd be three years ago tonight that I saw Paul McCartney in Brooklyn. Um, probably the best concert I've ever seen. Um, so very fun that we're talking about it today. Bill Clinton was actually at that concert. Really? Um, it was very funny. We were, so we were at Brooklyn, we were at Barclays Center and my wife and I were up nosebleeds, like totally like almost vertical pitch seats way in the back, um, paid a fortune for him, didn't care. And, uh, the show, uh, there's no opening act, obviously it's just Paul McCartney and we're waiting and it's like an hour and a half after the scheduled show time. And the crowd's starting to get a little restless, you know. I We're fine with it, you know. We're like, it'd be great if he came on, but you're Paul McCartney. You can delay the entry. And all of a sudden, we see uh, on the floor of Barclays Center this mass of people moving. And we see people on the floor cheering, getting out their phones, taking, taking cell phone pictures. And we look at my wife and we're like, who could that be? Who could be so famous and so big? That people who can afford floor seats in Brooklyn for Paul McCartney are freaking out over it. And realized it was Bill Clinton and Paul Simon walking mm. out backstage to see it. And how bad does Paul Simon have to feel in that place? He's the third most famous person in that room right there. Right. Um, but I mean, but there's, there are two topics on, on, on concerts that I wanted to... And McCartney was amazing, by the way. But... Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I tell people... Some people would see me after the concert. They're like, how was it? I'm like, it's exactly as good as you think it was. It was Paul McCartney on stage for three hours singing his songs. We're good. Um, but I, two topics came up uh, recently. Uh, it was last week in the news. But I figured we could riff on them for a little bit. One um, is kind of a, an ongoing story about Ticketmaster bots and, and, the, and trying to buy tickets online and fighting the robots. This came up in my, in my universe this past week. Um, my favorite band and our friend Pat Walsh's favorite band, the Tragically Hip, yes. uh, Canadian rock band, announced that um, their lead, the lead singer of the band has terminal brain cancer, and so they're doing a tour of Canada. That. This they're doing a tour of Canada this summer, very limited tour. The underst- the unspoken thing is this is it. This is the the kind of like a goodbye tour. So tickets went on sale on Memorial Day, and I actually we were at a parade. In here, where we live in Fairport, and I actually ducked away from the parade into a coffee shop with the laptop to get tickets uh, when they went on sale at 10 a.m. And it's like a little patience and a little refreshing, but I was able to luckily get a couple, t- couple tickets for one of the shows. And you know, and there's so many people who could not get tickets, and of course, that's a common thing now, especially with Ticketmaster and online lo- online sales and fighting Ticketmaster bots. Um, there's legislation in New York to actually make that a criminal offense, but I figured we could riff on that. And the other one we could riff on, I'll let you pick. Uh, our friend, friend of the show, Matt Zimmerman, posted this to Facebook again last week, and it was Adele at one of her shows uh, yelling. I don't know if yelling or berating is the right word, but talking, telling a fan to basically put their phone down and like like stop taking pictures, stop taking video, like enjoy the show, don't enjoy the show through your phone, enjoy it as you, you know, not through your phone. Um and and so just kind of that attitude of kind of concert behavior, I got I got uh, some thoughts on that okay. as well, but I kind of want to let you, you know, which one of those you want to riff on for today and maybe we can save one for next week. Well, we can do the Adele thing. I think okay. Look, I think the artist has artistic license to re, you know, act however they want towards the audience that's in there. I really, right. I, I think that that's, 
that's a that's a thing that has been long established. Um, I think Adele is foolish. I mean, her her concerts cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it just it's a it, it highlights a certain level of disrespect to how people like to do things in this day and age that she would have that sort of reaction. That said, mm-hmm. she's got the right to have that reaction. Um, and, you know, it, I, you know, as far as the larger issue of fan behavior, I, I, you know, I mean, is it disconcerting if you're an artist to stand up there and see people pointing phones at you rather than just staring at you, uh, you know, waiting for the next syllable to come out of your mouth i'm sure it is to some degree but you know what um i'm going to assume that the concert that adele was doing was in a pretty packed auditorium or stadium or whatever i'm going to assume that she uh made a significant amount of money off of it you know if if there's that many people in the audience then maybe don't get hung up on whether they're giving you their rapt attention like to me it sounded more like Adele was upset that somebody wasn't focusing on her rather than, oh, this person isn't enjoying the concert the way that would be of maximum enjoyment to them. You know, right. like to me, it right. seemed, or, it seemed or disingenuous. Not being, right. Or not being, you know, there, there's an argument to be made like you're doing this, you're distracting the people behind you or, you know, or if you're just if you're being disruptive to the people around you through like. You're holding up an iPad and Pro or something like that to record to like take pictures. I can see how that could be, you know, if I'm standing right behind that person or around that person, that can be distracting. That can that can be disrespectful to your fellow crowd members. I got uh, two stories kind of came to mind when I was thinking that, and I generally agree with you. Um, you know, the artist has the right to, um, you know, have the environment that they want. You know, Prince was very much le- I, I, in in a way. I, I think the artist can. You know, Prince, you know, was celebrated and legendary for, you know, you don't record, you don't do that. And you know, there's a lot of respect to that. And, you know, it, 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 you know, what, and again, different artists have different ideas of this, different, you know, different venue, di- different, you know, areas of theater and music and culture have that. Like, in, like, you know, I, I saw a tweet where Lynn Manuel Miranda, the guy from, ha- the guy who does Hamilton, will point, has said he will point out people who he sees taking video and pictures in the, in the, uh, in the in the crowd he'll point them out to stage managers and they'll go and force people to delete their phone delete the pictures off the cameras now i'll say this and you know i'm a hamilton fanboy but i've also been to enough broadway where like it's very explicit in the playbill like no recording no pictures in theater like that's kind of that's the rule like like the rules of the game when you walk into a theater you know, and so, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Yeah. You just made me think of something. What if an athlete during a game pointed to somebody in the stands that was taking video and said, you know, and, and then went to security and like got them to get the fan to delete stuff? We would be berating that right. athlete for a lack of focus and concentration on the game. Yet we don't do that with artists. We don't do that with singers. It's right. like, um, you know, I, to some degree, I'd be, I'm like, you know, let let the let the stage people deal with that. Why don't yes. you just why don't you concentrate on delivering the the eighty five dollars worth of value that I purchased in this ticket? Right. There's right, and there's something to be absolutely said for that. So it's funny. I have two Avet Brothers stories kind of related to this. One, you know, a positive use of technology with, with this is so a couple months ago. 
my wife and a bunch of her friends who we've met through seeing the band went to the concert they played at Madison Square Garden. And I stayed home. Ellie and I stayed home and, and Jen was at the show. And they were standing, they, they, they got there super early. So they were like right on like the catwalk coming off of stage, like incredible spot right on the floor. And it's very, you know, the great use of Periscope these days is, of course, co- live concerts to be able to watch what people will Periscope concerts. And it's a big thing kind of in the AVET, in, in, among our AVET fan community. Where, where people will periscope a concert. And so the woman who my wife was at, who's actually standing next to my wife, periscoped the entire show. And so, I mean, for me, that was awesome because I'm like, hey, I couldn't go, but it's like I'm at the show, like not, not just seeing the same show, like I'm basically standing next to my wife while I'm home. And that was really cool. And, you know, it was done, you know, and, and, you know, you could tell she was holding the camera kind of in a way, her phone in a way where she wasn't like holding it up to get a better view or anything like that. It was very respectful. And, and, and just kind of like like low key, and I and, and so I like that, so I benefit from it. But I remember one concert we went to, and it was again Avet, and it was at our amphitheater here in Canadagua. And toward the end of the show, they played one of their bigger songs, and and people started kind of rushing the stage near the end of the show. Like you could tell they were up at the, on the lawn seats or like back in the amphitheater, and it started coming up. And there were so many of them, security wasn't shooing away. And I remember one girl, the the, the band singing the song, and the and, and the band, the girl kind of like elbowed her way turned around and had her had her friend take a take her picture while she was doing like some sort of like you know drunk metal girl face to the Avet brothers which is really weird um but like you know almost like a selfie while the band is performing like right in front of the stage like me to you me to my computer screen away from the stage and i saw that and like i don't think that's wrong i don't see any like like she didn't do any break any laws you know they didn't stop the show or anything i just felt like I don't know. I just feel like that's a little disrespectful to the to the band. It's a little disrespectful to the people around there. I don't know. I just saw that. And I felt like I don't know. That just it didn't sit right, and it's hard hard putting it, 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 it putting it into words. But it just it, it just felt like I don't know. It felt weird. It felt off, and it kind of felt a little gross to see see that kind of like I've got a I've got a camera. We're gonna do you know we're gonna selfie with the band while they're playing the song. I don't know. If I don't have a strong like like they shouldn't be allowed to have recording equipment or, or cameras or stuff and i don't know just seeing that just kind of it, it sticks out in my memory as as yeah. like weirdly weirdly um entitled behavior i don't know i don't know maybe i'm, just, I'm old what can no, i say? No, maybe I, i'm just, look i will say this i think the idea that you're going okay one of my big problems i know the like the there was a thread of the Adele thing that was on Zimmerman's um, Facebook page. And there was a guy who worked for the, whose brother worked for like the, you know, the law firms that like collect royalties for musicians. And he, you know, he's got his normal shitty, like I work for the music industry approach to answering questions where it's just like, but this is illegal. And you know, this is, this violates the copyright. You know, look, I think the problem is this. You have, you a lot of the arguments against the recording side of things on these or the transmission or that periscope stuff or whatever um is based in copyright law that's uh, that's basically unenforceable in an era when everybody has a, a portable trans like uh, transmission device right um and and furthermore from a societal perspective what you deal with on a regular basis now is 
this idea that people utilize their phones all the time on for everything. And the idea that mm-hmm. you're going to step into a, into something that people have paid money for right. and, and then be like, your behavior cannot include the thing that you probably use the most in your daily life is completely unrealistic. And I think is, is a huge problem with the way that we approach entertainment spaces in the first place in this country. Mm-hmm. I guess I yeah I get that. You I mean, know, I'm, I, get, I mean, yeah. th- th- does it not jibe with the traditional? Oh, this is the you know this is how you act at a concert. Thing? I mean, that's been changing every decade sure. for you know every like for as long as we've had like public performances. Like what's been acceptable at concerts and what's been acceptable behavior has gradually changed, and to yeah. not account for uh, people's individual necessity of utilizing portable electronics equipment is is it's just myopic like it doesn't take into account the reality of society you don't have to like it but to not take right. it into account is just foolish yeah and and, and you know now that now that, uh, hearing you talk and thinking over the story like i it, it, you know i have, we have cell phone photos and videos from all the all the uh concerts we've been to so yes hypocrite over here um but yeah it it, 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 it it you know it's more like you know I, I, I think one. I think you know a lot of times artists, and again, having obviously never been on stage singing, singing or performing, you know, I can't speak to what it's like to be up there in kind of a you know vulnerable performing space and seeing phones. Like that's got to be weird. But at the same, but but you're right. At the same time, you can't. You know, I you know it. It is kind of you know weird to say. Um, you know, don't take my picture while i'm perf- i don't know I, you I mean, know I've, look, yeah. I've i have performed music on stage in mm-hmm. front of people um i'd rather they were taking like videos of me than yes. than talking to the person next to them that's a good point or yeah. or not paying attention i mean i've been in a, i've been in a couple of venues where it's like people just you know they're all talking they're all looking somewhere else they're you know you're just right. feel like you're just kind of singing into the ether i mean right. is it that bad that someone's taking a video of the song that i'm singing because they want to save the moment for posterity um i i personally don't think so artists right. have a right to feel however they want but i feel like the idea that it's some kind of failing of society which is how it gets portrayed is right. is completely um, it's, it's, it's just, I feel completely opposite to that. No. And I, and I get that, you know, I don't want to throw out the, uh, you know, you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You don't want to take away, you know, taking pictures and video of concerts you like, because, you know, I don't want to say that because I saw one drunk girl act like an idiot at the, at an Ava brothers show once. And I'm like, wow, this is stupid. We shouldn't have phones, enjoy the show and live in the moment. Like that's, that's that myopic point of view that you, that you're, that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it is just, you know, it's always fascinating to, to, to get concert tickets and, and, and they always say no cameras or recording devices allowed. And like, you want dated language and on tickets and technology, like yet we literally all walk around with cameras and recording devices yep. that, 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 that literally have the ticket that say that. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, so we can we we can do some more concert talk in the in the few weeks. It's a good evergreen subject, uh, summer topic, I think. Absolutely. Well, we'll so. uh, we'll uh, we'll catch back up with it as we move forward. But uh, yes. anyway, good uh, good chat as always, and uh, yeah. we'll uh, look forward to doing it again next week on a different day, probably. Probably, yeah. We'll 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 we'll, we'll keep up with our Neptune schedule, and at some point there will be a new one. So. Yeah, at some point we'll cycle completely around the sun. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, for Brian Moritz, I'm Galen Clavio. Uh, thanks for uh, listening, folks. We will catch you on the flip side.
See ya.